Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold fast, my lover. Hold fast against the swift and swain. Cling tight in the buffet and heave of this uncertain realm. Cast your eyes to windward in the squall, for it too will pass, and we will meet again. Misty-eyed in the firelights, bound together in the moon underwater. Landlord John have been here in the moon underwater for some hours in the quietness of the day, just watching the sun cast itself across the many surfaces and woods, the pine grains and the knots of oak, the dark, dark plummy depths of mahogany here. And I have to say, it's given me great solace to watch as the many different seasons pass, all in one day here at the moon underwater, which is not doesn't happen very often, but sometimes you do get four seasons in one day, as a Crowded House once proclaimed, perhaps prophesying the existence of the moon underwater, or at least sensing it in their work. Uh, but I tell you, I tell you what, though it's nice to sit here alone in the moon underwater, just sort of let time fool around, it is also nice when it becomes a crowded house. <laughs> 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 so it's so nice to see the the light finally cast its angles and its its wedges across the lovely Robin Allender as he takes up his seat at the bar here. How how fair thee, Robin? Oh, I'm very good, John. Thanks for that intro- lengthy introduction. It was really wonderful. Um, I love that crowded house song. I was teaching it last year on guitar. It's it's in six four. Quite unusual. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> well, we might come on to this because we've had a very publy weekend. We really and, have, haven't we? And they will continue tonight because we're popping mm. back to the other realm to head to a few pubs. 
And I think maybe we might discuss some of those pubs in more length on the uh, Behind the Cellar Door podcast, the bonus podcast, which is available to Patreon subscribers um, Mm. that will be out soon. Mm. We could mark them. We could mark the pubs because we didn't do that at the weekend. Yeah. A few topics we might cover in Behind the Cellar Door are the the idiocy of crowds (laughs) discuss and just how nice it is to be with friends in pubs. Yeah, yeah. It was lovely. We had a couple of friends up from uh, the West Country, as it were, um, staying with me. And so a couple of days there of just general pubbing. Um, it's very nice having... I have, Obviously, since the pandemic, haven't hosted friends. You know, had had friends stay over for such a long time. I forgot how, like, strange it is in a way. Sleeping you know? bags and airbeds. Sleeping bags and airbeds. Uh, Sam Sam came up quite early on the Saturday, and we were sort of knocking about, waiting for our friend Dave to arrive. At one point, he, he asked if I could he, he could have a go on my Hoover, <laughs> <laughs> kind of scraping the barrel of things to do at your friend's house. <laughs> but it was great. I I remember you said that you returned home altogether, and you sort of went to get ready for bed, and then you came back into your living room, and there was just the sight of men in pants waiting <laughs> yeah, to go to sleep. Lot. Men in pants, the blowing up of airbeds. Yeah, yeah. Also, I've had um, I've had some mist myself, Robin. Oh, go on. Some mist mail has arrived to me. Uh, mist mail from Beer Fifty Two. Um, Ooh. Uh, yeah, our sometime collaborator, and also from Dark Star Brewery, mm. Dark Star Brewing Co. And each brought with them their own unique treats. I discovered. Well, actually, I'll I'll mention this after. A piece of correspondence. Um, okay. Something that came in the, the Beer 52 package. But the Dark Star package, as someone who has in the past double and triple Dark Starred with t shirt, <laughs> hoodie, and hat. Uh, I love, how does Ellis say brewery again? He's always saying brewery. Brewery. He's always going on about, about how you're wearing brewery t shirts. <laughs> um, but I had a lovely new cap from Dark Star and a, some t shirts and socks, but also a shipment of their fine ales, which I'm going to taste two of them in behind the cellar door. Mm. Oh, amazing. A, an orange pale ale and a, a yuzu uh, ale as well. I like yuzu. That's what we had in... We had the yuzu in the in the George the Fourth when we were doing the live shows, didn't we? Yes, that's called yulu. Oh, right. I can't remember the name of this one, but I think it's a similar thing. They're all They're making use of that flavouring. It's a slightly citrusy flavouring yuzu. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, nice. So look forward to tasting those. But you've you've had some mist as well, Robin, into the moon underwater, haven't you? Some mist has materialised, yeah. We had, uh, I mean, this, you know, email subject, Oxford pubs. I mean, does it, can it, can your interest be piqued anymore, John? You're teeing my L. <laughs> what? Talking my language. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> ah, to landlord John and regular Robin, which makes Robin sound like a car from the past. I like that. A quick thank you for the podcast from this legend underwater. My wife and I loved the live show we came to see with Ollie Smith. What a treat that was. Oh, that was a fantastic night. And then my wife got me a lovely cameo message from John for my birthday, where, due to me having gone to Queen's College, Oxford, John told the tragic story about his dad's loss. But that probably means he's drunk in the Queen's College beer cellar, one of my favourite places in the whole world. I haven't just drunk there, I've cried there. Yeah, haven't you? Yeah, cried there, cried on the quad. <laughs> Quite cried on the quad. It's pure Brideshead stuff. I, I, I remember Keeble having a very nice uh, 
college bar, actually. Um, anyway, he sent a picture of the entrance of the beer cellar in the attached collage, a kind of college collage, if you will, of our 30th anniversary celebrations, where the university gang headed back to Oxford at the start of North Week. Bloody hell. <laughs> 30 years after first coming up to Oxford. You'll also see other pictures from the weekend, including the little speech given at the main dinner on the Saturday night and some of the drinking that was done that weekend. On the Friday, a select few, including myself, started a pub crawl inspired by John and Robin's own exploits. And by the end, most of the gang had arrived. I thought you'd like the quick rundown. Do you want to hear the rundown? Um, does the word yes ring a bell, Robin? <laughs> it does, yeah. Yeah, you're elling, you're teeing. You're, let's tee off. Head of the river for lunch. Right, yep, yep, yep. I never really went to that pub that much. I went there once and sort of read a book. Quite nice. <laughs> Quite nice. Wheat Sheaf? I like the Wheat Sheaf. Yep. That's kind of an indie pub, isn't it? Well, this is the wrong side of town for me. I'm more of a Jericho animal. You're more Well, have no fear. Actually, I don't think they did go to Jericho. The Turf. I like the Turf. Yeah. King's Arms. Went there when I finished my exams. The White Horse. Oh, is yes. that the one by Blackwells? Yeah, that's the one that uh, is under Blackwells. That I love that pub. Oh, but it's, I love that one. It's hard to get a seat, but I think Inspector Morse goes there quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's so small that you, yeah. and it's so full of students that you, you probably will hear a conversation about like semiotics or something when you're there, which is all right sometimes. The old Tom, love the old Tom. Oh God, I still have to go. I still have to go to the old Tom. Um, my uh, poetry class in two thousand and two, they um, they said they're all meeting up there at Christmas. In and they'll still be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon they'll still be there. What is this? Only it's only what eighteen. 19 years later? They'll probably hang around for me, wouldn't they? I'm sure they'll still be there. Yes, for God's sake. Great, I'm looking forward to that. The Bear? I like The Bear. Well, you went to The Bear after our last pub crawl on your own before getting the train home because you couldn't bear... To, you couldn't bear to leave the idea of leaving and I think you experienced profound sadness. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, to paraphrase Christenberg, there's nothing quite like a pub at 11 in the morning. <laughs> to make you feel a bit sad. Yeah. Um, the Oxford Union. That's a kind of maverick choice there on a pub crawl. You've still got your union card. I never got joined. very Oxford-centric. You never joined, rebel. I only went there once to play snooker, because they had snooker tables. It was full of the kind of twonks you might imagine being at the Oxford Union. <laughs> Lamb and Flag, which, which has been saved. Yes, thank the Lord that the Lamb and Flag is still with us. Oh, God. <laughs> thank the Lord is still with us. Al Andalus for dinner. I don't know where that is. Is that in Jericho? I think it is, you know. And then they went to Freud's, which is a kind of like quite a clubby kind of place in a very beautiful kind of building. Yeah, Freud's is this... I mean, I remember it as like a pizza restaurant by day, a cocktail bar by night, but this is in this enormous old building. It's absolutely gorgeous. My abiding memory of that is being told by my dentist that I was in danger of getting gum disease. So In Freud's? No. <laughs> so they prescribed me this very sort of harsh mouthwash that removed my sense of taste. And I remember having a pizza in Freud's covered with jalapenos and I couldn't taste it and I stopped using the mouthwash. Gums are still fine. And you haven't looked back since. No. Um, I can assure you that we kept it fully sessioned throughout so as not to spoil the weekend to come. It was a great success and you were both toasted on a number of occasions. Oh, thanks. Oh, that's so nice to imagine, being toasted in, in pubs. Yeah. 
That's great. It's sort of like, do you think, like, you know when you have a shiver and someone says someone's walking over your grave? Maybe we're being toasted. Maybe we're being toasted. Or, or like, it's because we don't know we're being toasted, it's sort of like we're being ghosted, but not kind of, not in the modern sense. Anyway, keep up the fantastic work with the podcast. It is always a treat to see it in my podcast feed, and you've introduced me to a range of guests that I otherwise would never have known. Thanks again. Yours in pubs, Chris. Oh, thanks, thanks, Chris. Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. This is, and we've got another really nice missed mail from Matt. A lot of M's there. A belated response to Stuart Braithwaite. Hey, JR and R. I'm a little behind in the podcast and have just finished listening to Stuart Braithwaite's episode. I was very happy to hear that he is a fan of Lagunitas. Lagunitas holds a special place in my heart. Like John, I'm not really a fan of stronger beers. I try to keep my ABV below 4.5, but will stretch to 5 if I'm struggling for options. I know the feeling. Lagunitas IPA is a drink that for some reason my small group of friends created a bond over. It is sold on draft in a sports bar called Second City in Manchester, and while it isn't really my cup of tea, it was always the starting point for our nights out, as time's arrow has marched forward. I love that phrase. Kind of lovely mixing of metaphors as well, but like Hamlet, you know. Um, what's he say? You know, bare arms against the sea of troubles or something. Anyway, we don't get to meet up as often as we'd like. We have never considered our drinking session to have ended at the end of an evening, but merely paused until we next meet. And Lagunitas IPA is the pint which always resumes the session. Matt. That's lovely. I love the idea that you're just pausing, not ending. So nice to hear, Matt. This sort of uh, infinite meeting of friends that is only interrupted, not ended. What Matt was saying about sort of rarely venturing above 4.5% brings me on to my Beer 52 deliverance. And as per, there's a sort of wonderful selection of different types of beer. But I often sort of select the ones I want to have based on the strength, because I'm I'm a 4.5 and below head, as you know, Robin. Mm-hmm. However, one of them caught my eye, and it's called Czech Pale Ale by Albrecht Brewery. I think you would love it, Rob. It's 5%, and it comes in one of those nice sort of squat bottles. Okay. And it's one of the most delicious beers I've ever had. How are we spelling Czech? Is it Czech as in Czech Republic? Or yeah, Czech? C-Z-E-C-H. Okay, great. And it's Albrecht Brewery, which is Alpha Lima Bravo Romeo Echo Charlie Hotel Tango, mm. which feels good coming out of the old mouth. Um, what they say on the Beer 52 website is, this unique nectar aims to bring back the original bohemian white beer that was effectively killed off by the Pilsner Revolution in 1842. Wow. And I have to say... It was a delight. I'll I'll definitely look that up. Um, gosh, yeah, I mean, Czech. I think Czech Republic. Correct me if I'm wrong. Consumes more beer than any other country per really? head. Really? Yeah. Um, but have you ever been to Prague? No. It is it is beautiful. There is a fantastic pub in Prague. I think it's called the Golden Tiger, and it's one of these places where they only serve one pilsner, and you just sit down, and they just bring you a pilsner and a, and a, and a piece of card. Yeah. And they just mark how many you've had in oh. the sesh <laughs> and just pay at the end. So there's a man whose job it is just to pour endless pints of Pilsner. Oh, lovely. But it's quite a, it's a great, it's a great pub. And it, um, let me just see if I've got the name right here. In your mind? Um, in my mind, yeah. And I think I'm right. Yeah, it's, it's the Golden Tiger. Uslatejo Tigra. Might be getting that wrong. And um, Bill Clinton actually visited there after the Velvet Revolution. Really? Yeah, yeah. 
so there we go. It's a great pub. If anyone's been there, please let us know. Well, folks, the sun has done its shifting in the moon underwater, and now the moonlight begins to rise, and there's a beautiful moment in the moon underwater where the sun and the moon are both in the sky. As you will know from last week's venture into the realms of the mind, these utterances come in two parts now to heighten your uh, desirability. Uh, and we do hope you enjoy what we have to offer this week. And I think, as I've said before, I think we have a lot to offer, Robin. So I need to select some really fine glassware or maybe even some tankardware, um, mm. some pewterware for today's guest. So do join us in a second as we'll be welcoming her into the Mike Uniform Whiskey, The Moon Underwater. Robin, did you hear that? I think it's a sort of Atesian wind blowing down the flue of the moon underwater at the moment. Not the Atesian wind again. Yeah, and if you look outside through the uh, glass of various thicknesses, you can see the pine cones swirling so. Can you see those sort of mini pine cone swirls? They're kind of, I can see them kind of vibrating around each other. Uh, and sort of rotating, you know, in, in quite a pleasing way. And that's oft to occur when um, when there's a divide between the realms, which would suggest that someone is making that incredible journey from the other realm to the correct realm. And I'm hoping it's this week's guest and not one of those winged beasts <laughs> uh, who have, have a want to uh, traverse the cobbled streets and shifting alleys of the moon underwater's air-changing location. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah I think, I think what, what I mean by that uh, is that our guest has arrived and uh, we must welcome her into the moon underwater. Hello to you, hello to thee, and all hail Abigail Newton, none other than National Vice Chairman of Camera. Hello. Hello, lovely to meet you both. Thank you for welcoming me to the pub. Oh, you're absolutely welcome here. Abigail, obviously your your reason for being a top priority guest to the Moon Underwater is very clear. You are the National Vice Chairman of CAMERA, the Campaign for Real Ale. I wanted to start by asking, you're relaxing here in the Moon Underwater on a wonderful leather armchair. Uh, just to the left of the bar. We're all sat down by the fire. Now those Atesian winds have calmed down. How much time do you actually get to spend in pubs? I'd like to say not enough, because we've all missed them over the last year and a half. But uh, it's like a carrot. You you do some camera work and then you go and reward yourself in the pub. So if I've done some work, I go to the pub. I make sure I get that reward, that little brownie point, that gold star. So I'm guessing when camera started, it, a lot more of its work probably took place in nooks and crannies of pubs, whereas now it's a much, much bigger organisation. Absolutely. I mean, even pre-COVID, we did an awful lot of things in the pub and uh, it was quite difficult going to work meetings and accidentally saying beer break everybody in the middle of a work meeting at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning Ooh, because I was used oh to doing that at camera meetings. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, but there was a respect. People used to have a beer or two and then 
after a few hours the meeting would fortunately finish and then it would just work on its way through to a pub crawl so we do mix <laughs> business with pleasure can't wait for it to come back again properly do, do you ever kind of like does camera ever say right we need you to go and investigate this pub can you go there and have a few beers i mean because that would be my ideal job well <laughs> yes yes we we we, it, we have um a pub of the year competition which does involve going to pubs and that starts at local level so we'll decide within our own branch area which ones we think make the grade for various criteria that goes through to a regional level and some regional people judge it again and then it's a super regional and then it goes to a national and that's uh, once it gets to super regional and national it's all very covert and i have been privileged to to be on the national judging once and i went to Oh, I went up to Liverpool and down to Kent, and um, I can't remember where the other two were now, but those two stuck in my mind. It was a fantastic experience. Abigail, um, Robin and I, when we go on a pub crawl, we tend to rate the pubs in various criteria. Um, just to let you know, we are available should anyone ever drop out of a pub judging, whether regional, whether national, whether whether even just sort of the initial pub groundwork i think the last pub crawl we went on we rated them out of vibe uh, selection and reveal which is the way the pub reveals itself when you first see it <laughs> oh that's an interesting criteria well it is because it's out of control of the pub yeah yes yeah. yes yes you know don't you when you see a, an outside and you think that's not right or that is right and you go inside and it just doesn't match and you think uh, it's not the package isn't together then what are the kind of criteria for for camera what what, what are the camera criteria beer features fairly heavily of course <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, I think that's got a double weighting as i recall it, it's but camera isn't just about beer is it though i mean it is no about, no you know. uh in the early days camera was very much about beer and as time has gone on, it shifted its focus. We've been involved in cider preservation and promoting cider for, I think that's 25 or 30 years, something like that. And nowadays, it's all about saving pubs and clubs. I mean, we've all driven around and seen how many have disappeared. It's heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. Has camera had to sort of change to adapt to the boom of microbrewing and craft beer? Because obviously... That that's a sort of a, a great thing, but it is it is almost not necessarily at odds with that traditional beginnings of camera, but it is a it is a very new thing. Yes, it it has changed massively because um, the big brewers that were taking over in the nineteen seventies were keg brewers, so um, as opposed to cask where the beer is still alive, keg didn't taste the same. Keg was rubbish, cask was good. So when the term real ale was coined and it was coined by camera uh it meant cask uh and yes we've been through this huge revolution huge amount of microbreweries have, have started up especially when there's a recession on so when there is a recession people will get a bit of redundancy money and they'll they'll go and start brewing in the shed or the garage and you'll get shed and garage breweries popping up all over the place but keg has changed the term craft it's it's almost almost meaningless in as much as it means artisanal rustic or something that is subjective of how you how you read it or how you hear it but yes it's generally associated with these smaller keg type breweries um but the beer is is better quality 
camera's not against it, but camera doesn't want that craft keg side of things to wipe out the cask side of things. It can be really symbiotic, and actually it, it means it opens up beer to an even wider audience. So some of my friends prefer kegs, some prefer cask. We always have a jolly good time in the pub. <laughs> well, that's such a great like tagline for camera. <laughs> some prefer keg, some prefer cask. We all have a jolly good time in the pub. Yeah. I think I might use that in the marketing. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And camera is, is is fifty years old now. And so, yes. wh- what what do you think pubs were like before, and what sparked camera into existence? Is it the kind of endless what knees red barrel kind of just the lack of variety do you think? This is what people tell me I'm I'm just younger than camera so uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't yeah. there yeah. Um, yes it was bigger brewery so not as much choice generally you got maybe a bitter and a mild or a bitter and a stout so there wasn't an array from what I understand. Uh, tied, there were more tied houses, I th- I believe. But of course, there were a lot more pubs. Um, and it was a very different culture, of course, back then. It was a, a place where working men went off to work. And from a female perspective, <laughs> that's changed as well. I, I would never have gone into a pub on my own 50 years ago. I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely sure of it. Is inclusivity a big part of Camera's current project? Yes, yes, um, it is. We've always tried to be inclusive and welcoming to absolutely everybody, but we're actually going through a big review of that at the moment just to make sure that we're not missing anything. But if you come to something like the Great British Beer Festival that we run in London and you have 50,000 people through the door and a lot of them are Londoners, you get just such an array of people from all over the place and it's it's like being in a big pub. Everyone's really chatty and happy and fun. And you know what it's like if you bump alongside each other in a bar. You just say sorry and you're terribly British about it, aren't you? It's like um, yeah. a, a friend of mine said he went to the bar once and he accidentally spilt this guy's drink. And he said, oh, sorry. Uh, well, the guy said, well, well, what do you expect me to do? Drag you outside and duff you up? It's all right. Stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's the sort of atmosphere that we promote. It's you know you don't know who's going to like ale, you don't know who's not going to like ale, you don't know who's educated about it, you don't know who's never had it in their life. So just treat everybody like a valued customer. Really, it's it's great fun. Well, let's get started on creating your own fantasy pub. And I'm guessing more than many of the guests in the Moon Underwater, you have a range of pubs to draw on in your mind. So. With all of those incredible pubs that you've been to, your favourites, the one you sort of made you angry, the ones that you thought, oh, that works. When you imagine your pub, is it is it sort of bits of lots of different pubs or do you have a very clear vision of what it looks like? It is bits of lots of different pubs, but quite a lot of it uh, comes from my current local, which is the Three Crowns in Chippenham, because that has... 80-90% of perfection in it but the garden is the pavement and you look at quick fit so that is going ah, <laughs> nice. oh well we had we had your fellow representative from the People's Republic of Chippen and Will Hodgson on the show he'll be delighted that the three crowns is 85-90% to 90% perfection <laughs> yeah I mean his local is the Old Road Old Road Tavern 
where he has his gig as well. I think everybody in the Three Crowns knows everybody in the Old Road, and everybody in the Old Road knows everybody in the Three Crowns. But they are there's a big there's a massive Venn diagram there in drinkers. It's so true though that you go to a pub and you think this is almost perfect. So you'll go to a pub where you think, if they got rid of that TV, this would be perfect. Or if they turned the music down, this would be perfect. Or if the garden was nicer, this would be perfect. And I want, does that just keep us going to pubs and one day we're going to find the Valhalla of pubs? This happened to me the other night, actually, was back in Bristol and went to the Hare on the Hill, which is a fabulous pub. Um, recently visited by Fontaine's DC when they're on tour in Bristol, which is good. But they were, they were, it was really perfect, brilliant great group of people lovely staff the music was a bit too loud but it was really good oh music so it was a really tricky it was like i love this song but just tiny bit down i didn't you know i didn't know how to tackle that <laughs> that's awkward yeah that is awkward depends on who you're with as well <laughs> yeah for sure so when when you walk into your pub of the mind is is it mostly the three crowns in chippenham describe that pub to people who may not have been there uh, it's on the old Great Bath Road, so the London to Bath Road, and it stands out with two great bay windows, and it sees the coach and horses coming in from London on their probably penultimate stop to Bath. And it's it's wooden, and it's all painted green. There's nothing fancy about it, but there'll be someone at the bar. and And to me, the most important thing in that pub is it has two large tables and each of those tables can fit eight comfortably and 12 of you all squish up together so inevitably if you're going in the pub you'll sit around one of those tables because they are they're big in the room uh, and then somebody will say do you mind if i join you and and then somebody else will say do you mind if I join you? And and that is how everybody in the Three Crowns knows everybody else in the Three Crowns. And how if you guys come to the pub, you'll come as visitors, but by the time you've left, you'll be locals. Oh, that's so nice. It's lovely. A, fr- a friend of mine visited. Uh, she was down in Bristol from Birmingham, and she said, can we just pop in for lunchtime pint? I went, yeah, sure. So we, we knocked on the door at three minutes to 12, and the landlord said, all right, I'm, let- I'm letting you in, Abby. I'm on my way. <laughs> and uh, at eight o'clock they ran for their last train home <laughs> <laughs> they loved it that much they did a write-up in their local camera magazine as well and uh, said how wonderful it was so, so are you familiar with the uh, venerated bristol publication pints west i am yes nice F- fabulous do you know the john gatty letters Oh, the John Gatti letter. Oh, I haven't seen it for a while. So, so he, there, there was, I don't know if it's still going, but whenever there was a copy of Pints West, it there was always a letter from this guy called John Gatti from Thornbury. Thornbury, yeah. And um, it was just some of the most partridgean prose ever written about pubs. It was so great to read. There was a sort of sense that he was kind of running out, that he had to hit a word count somehow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even though they didn't have to. Yeah, they were always really long. Inches. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's brilliant. It's very funny. We'll have to find it. I'm sure I took a photo. Photos it's of online, a definitely. I have read a few online. Oh, great. We'll have to do. We'll have to do a special behind the cellar door on the John Gatti letters. For sure. <laughs>
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. In this pub, with two large tables where, perchance in the past, people could see the coach and horses on its penultimate stop to Bath, where horses would be watered and horse drivers, <laughs> what are they called? Riders. <laughs> coach, coach folk would be also be watered and cheesed and branded. Uh, what would be your two draft options? And that is a big question considering your job. <sighs> When you said two, I nearly quit. I couldn't do the <laughs> show with just two. The first one, I've gone for a bitter. And the reason I've gone for a bitter is because it's very difficult to find bitter nowadays. We live in a fashion of hoppy beers. I am not a fan of hoppy beers. <laughs> they do have a bit of a bad... If I may, I don't want to stereotype the average camera member, but I did. I remember going on a forum and that they were not keen on the hop sort of the, the the prominence of hops in modern beers. Would you say that's sort of generally true amongst real ale fans? No. Oh, have they been one round? I th- I think we sway into two camps. I think. When it first, this fashion first came, I would say maybe there was a bit of resistance, but now I think you fall either into the I prefer hops camp or you fall into the I prefer something more malty camp. Mm. And I'm definitely in the more malty side, but this bit down the middle has been left. Yeah. This gaping hole. I think, yeah, I think it was because when it was, it was kind of the craft beer boom and beers were just almost like excessively hoppy. They were so flavorful and powerful. So I think that's where that backlash came from. But for, for the sort of layman or, or woman, then when you say when you say bitter, you mean the kind of more malty finish? Like uh, it, yes, I mean uh, without extra hops. <laughs> mm, um, yeah, but it's confusing because hops do taste bitter. They do. Yeah. They do. <laughs> Yeah. And, and hops are a new thing. They were only introduced in like 1600. So before that, we had malty beer. <laughs> in fact, they were they were introduced as a preservative, not as a flavour. But gradually, they've become the flavour. Really? Wow. Mm. 
Well, okay. So, what's what's your your first choice as a bitter? What's it going to be? Okay, it's uh, called Muck and Straw. That would be apostrophe N. Yeah. Um, by Holsworthy Brewery, which is on the Devon Cornwall border. I have never heard of that, so I'm going to look it up in my mind right now. Muck and Straw. Muck and Straw. It's a lovely little brewery, and they have brewery nights down there, and they have takeaway food on the temporary basis, or they did pre-COVID. I haven't been down that way for a while. Yeah. So I've got here in my mind, looking up, a rich, full-flavoured bitter heavily hopped with English Fuggles hops. But they're English hops. English hops are not as astringent as right. uh, some of the more foreign hops, so they're not. No, I was as just saying, I was just laughing at the word f- "fuggles" there. It's to be great honest, word. Just, great yeah. word. Yeah. <laughs> so, could you explain? Because it's worth it's worth asking you when you're here as someone who really knows this stuff. So, what's you can see? What's confusing? Because you've said you like bitter, yes, because it doesn't have too many hops. But the bitter you've chosen does have hops, but those hops aren't bitter. When you say it like that, it makes no sense. <laughs> it's the astringency right. bit. It's it's the bit that goes after a pint. So the citrusy, uh, yeah. uh, veering on earwaxy sort of flavour profile. And to me, it's the bit that makes you sneeze as well. If I if I smell a hoppy beer, an astringent hoppy beer, I just sneeze. Really? Make, I don't know if I'm alone there. Probably not. But... Uh, do all real ales have hops of some description, or are there still ales made without hops? Um, I came across one a couple of years back that was made as a one-off without hops. What did it taste like? I only had a sip, and I can't remember. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I had a sip after I'd had a another beer, so I, I think I should have started on that one, but uh, I only discovered it was on when I'd been in the pub a while. Um, so Holsworthy Ales, Muck and Straw, 4.4%, available in cask, mini keg and bottles. Again, it's confusing because it's a cask ale available in kegs. You see, then you get into the container argument and that's a whole different <laughs> con- argument. It, the world got very confusing a few years ago. It used to be simple. Because when you buy a... So say you, say you want... A Timothy Taylor from your local supermarket. You buy that in a bottle. Yes. That that will taste well, not necessarily taste, but the sort of texture, if what liquid has a texture, is significantly different from getting it drawn out of a cask because it's got it's got bubbles in it, hasn't it? Yes. Some people, uh, and the same container of bottle can be either cask or keg, or can be so it can be either live or not live, and. If it's live, we call it real ale in a bottle. If it's not live, it's not real ale. So the liveness is the real ale bit. Right. But yes, it is very different. Sometimes it's more similar and sometimes it's very different. But inevitably, the draft in the pub is is somehow better. Yeah. It's good to see that we are breaking down some of the confusing terminology around uh, real ale. Well, I always think, like, you know, having grown up in, in Bristol, and obviously with Bath Ales, lots of Bath Ales pubs around here and there, you know, the the classic multi-bitter one was Jam. Yeah. Which had the bitter finish. And the golden one would be Spa. And I'm not sure... They, I mean, and they do do a hoppy one. Uh, uh, it's got hair. Uh, they've all got hairs on them, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's called something hopping hair or something. Yeah, something, yeah. And then there's um, 
they did some more wintry ones, which were much more malty as well. So that that was a good way to get into beer, actually, for me, because they had such distinct flavour profiles. And obviously they'd have them all on at the pub, you know, so... But yeah, I was very much a spa man back in the day, which they don't do anymore, sadly. Do we not? <laughs> no, I, I was very no. much a gem person. Always. Ah, gem, yes. Why yeah, did they yeah. stop doing spa? I don't know. It was quite. It was quite a light beer and quite. Um, wasn't very strong. No, it's about three eight as, or something. Yeah, and I think as kind of tastes went for s- t- towards more stronger beer, it kind of was, was sold it the less, spa perhaps. that went or was it the gem? I'm. I'm I have a memory it was the gem that went, but now I'm worried. I'm wrong. <laughs> I think gem, you oh, you can still get gem in Tesco, I think. Yes, I think oh, gem is still about. I never bought it in bottle, because Bath is down the road, and I work in Bath. I would tend to have a few in Bath. So what's your second draft choice? You've got one bitter. Uh, the second one, I've gone for a port stout. Ooh. And that is from Wiltshire. I think I'm, I'm going to keep local on that one. Mm. Um, plain Ales Incognito. Ooh, Plain Ales Incognito. It, it, it's won many an award from Champion Beer of Britain Stouts category. And it's jolly scrummy. Wow, so this is really dark. Oh, yes, I've seen this in the pubs. A very distinctive uh, you know, pump clip there, with the, the, the white on black. So this is very dark. Is this quite Guinnessy in in flavour? It, it's Guinnessy in as much as it's a stout, but there's yeah. a huge amount of flavour in it. It's it's got chocolate malt in it, which many of the stouts do, and it you can you can feel the chocolatiness and the the roastiness and <laughs> oh, I just I want one now. I want to go down the pub right now and have one. Um, my my feeling though with the the malty bitter ones is they're great in the autumn and winter, but in the summer on a hot day. You don't want to pour yourself a, a chocolatey stout. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or do you? Still, you still might end the evening in one. Yeah. I think if sure. I'm sitting out of in the garden, I'd be very happy to have a dark beer. Yeah. But that's where yeah. the bitters come in handy for me. Or, or maybe even a, a wheat beer, which is, again, less hoppy. Well, I'm sure we can uh, arrange the moon underwater to bring forth a pump with some some incognito on it for you and there it is so i'll just i'll just pour you a pint of that now beautiful <laughs> and beautiful. and there you go i'll just hand that to you over by the fire and, and what a wonderful sort of deep deep glow it has uh, next to the glinting firelight um so i hope that uh, quaffs no that's not the word is it I hope that quenches the <laughs> desire it's perfect What is the vice chairman of camera going to choose for a canned or bottled drink? I'd love it if you said Foster's. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd lose my job. <laughs> yeah. um, for the first one, I am going for my favourite beer style, which is unsurprisingly not hoppy, uh, which is a mild. Now, I would normally go for a weak mild, something about 3.5%, maybe 4% maximum. But this one I discovered a couple of years ago and I'm addicted to. So whenever I go to Burton on Trent, I make a special effort to go and get it. And it's called Magnum Mild and it's by Muirhouse Brewery. Wow. These are some fantastic recommendations we're getting. And it's it's always on at the Weybridge in Burton-on-Trent, which is about three minutes' walk from the railway station. Oh, I'm just looking it up in my mind. And the 
the sheer array of pump clips they have yeah. for so many different drinks. So we've got Summit Hoppy, The Greedy King, Ruby Jewel, Pirate's Gold, Mango and Passion Fruit Dark. That sounds interesting. Hat Trick IPA, Fully Fitted Freight. Oh, I love this. Airwash FC. <laughs> It's a great name for a beer. <laughs> don't don't tell him your name, Pike, is the name of one of their beers. <laughs> and there it is, Magnum Mild. Beer names are one area of, of the world which have not been touched by any legislation. And long may that continue. <laughs> mm. But speaking of diversity and etc., that is one area where we, you do see creeping well you do, there there was a lot to deal with in terms of sexism in terms of beer names and the pump clips and stuff wasn't there yes we we've actually uh we've made a stance on that a couple of years ago at uh, the great british beer festival and said we're not having beer names that are that could be misconstrued or could be sexist or could be offensive because customers didn't like it and we're a consumer organisation and they are the consumers so we chose not to. And it was generally really well supported. Yeah, because so often with these changes that, or those sorts of modernizations, the few people who get a beer in it, bonnet about it shout so much louder than the 99% of people who are like, yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't hear you don't hear cries of, yeah, that makes total sense on sort of social media or, or in letters or... Not loud uh, enough, as you say. no. Now, I remember that one of the very first beer festivals I worked at back in oh, 1992. And um, obviously I was very young. And I was standing... But old enough to work there. Yep, you saw through that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was standing next to a beer called um, Old Leg Over. And the joke wore really thin after about 10 minutes. Yeah. And I was stuck with it for the rest of the night. Uh, it was painful. And that would have, you know, that for every one who continues and goes through that and goes on to have the success you've had, how many people, how many women especially get put off being involved in that industry or going into a pub or going to a camera meeting or joining a society and stuff like that? Too many Yeah, <laughs> is the answer. And it, it is for everybody. Um, it is as much a woman's world as a man's world, but the perception is not that it is. Sadly. But nothing offensive in Magnum Mild, and uh, it's 4.5%. Because does mild necessarily mean weak? Um, mild doesn't mean weak. Um, I think the name came from the fact that it was less hoppy. I think I'm going to go back to that same old thing. But milds do tend to be lower ABV, although there's now strong milds and they've been deliberately brewed to be strong, but I'm thinking it's lack of hops. I remember having a mild in uh, Oxford, and I can't remember in which pub it was, but it was called M6, and the pump clip was in the sort of style of a motorway sign with the but it was absolutely gorgeous. And I did, you know, as a 20 year old or whatever, you never think, oh, I'd love a pint of mild. Well, mild is what made me join camera. Is it? Actually, yeah. It's, and actually, so is sexism in a weird roundabout way. So when I was at university, I got a bar job. And I, there was this amazing pub. It had five hand pumps, which meant nothing to me because I didn't know much about pubs. And I said, can I have a job? And they said, well, if you wear a short black skirt and a white blouse, you may have a job. And that was it. They didn't teach me anything about beer. 
Really? But I, I had to look the part as a young woman. And uh, some old men came into the pub. They were about 40. Felt old in those days. And a couple of them were a bit drunk and they started chatting me up. And uh, they said, all right, love, do you want to come to a beer fest? And I went, on one condition. And they said, what's your condition? I said, I bring a friend. I'm not entirely stupid, you know. You've got to have safety in numbers. And they said, we've got a condition. If your friend's female, you can come. And what I didn't know was they had one ticket and there were no other tickets available. So I have no other, no idea where they got the other ticket. But my friend and I went to the beer festival with them and we became great friends for the rest of our years at university. Oh, and uh, the following year, we were behind the bar and teaching them a bit about beer we'd, we'd learnt about during the year. It was amazing. They were lovely, lovely people. They were lovely. Well, I think sometimes it's a bit of a front, isn't it? And... But it, it's, a, it's a front, which means you have no interest in getting past the front to be sort of slightly, I don't know, sexist or aggressive in that way. But as you say, you became great friends. Yeah, I, I, I did not take a risk, I think. You know, mm. I, I was careful about it and I found out a bit about them before I went. But uh, we all went on public transport. It was the, I, th- I, t- I tend to say yes to things and I think that's how I managed to end up in places like working my way through camera as well because if somebody says do you want to go and visit a pub or do you want to have a job in camera i go oh, okay that sounds fun and it and it has been fun I've, I've met half my friends in camera fantastic so uh you've got magnum mild in a bottle what's your second bottle or can i i'm branching out now i'm going to go for a cider oh lovely i do love a cider now um Obviously, I'd never admit it, but the first time I did get drunk was 16 years old. Um, (laughs) And I was in Somerset at the time. And I have no idea who got the stuff, but it came in a square plastic container. I'm pretty sure it was green. And I'm wondering whether there were any bits of rats still floating in it when we got it. (laughs) It was proper Somerset scrumpy, and it was absolutely divine. Right. Because when most people begin that story, they go, it was disgusting and I haven't been able to touch it since. But it, that sort of sparked something in you. I am so glad I did never go through that. I, I, I liked it. I got very drunk. I probably made a small fool of myself that night. <laughs> and I'm still drinking it to this day. Mm. So do you don't know which one, it, which cider it was? Unfortunately which, it was just... not. But we we were also drinking at the back of the playing fields and it was dark, so I couldn't really yeah. see it. <laughs> so is your choice an anonymous Somerset scrumpy in a plastic square bottle? Because you, you would be welcome to have that. Well, I, I do want that, but I fear it might not be made anymore. So I did pick a real one that I have now, um, which is made not that far away from me. So near Bradford-on-Avon. Um, Iford is the name of the cider maker and the cider is called Sahara. Is that the one you see in bottles in the in the shops? I'm not sure. I haven't seen it myself, but they do sell it in bottles and uh, we do have it in draft in, the, in our local pub as well, but I know it comes in bottles because I have had some. Okay, so here, well, here, this is a good time to ask you this because there is a, let me just check this. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of Savannah Cider. Oh, that one, no. Now, Savannah Cider I, is really horrible. I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's South African, 
But you've picked Somerset Sahara cider, which is very different. It's 6% from Iford uh, Brewery. It's a dry cider uh, described as still and cloudy with a hit of fresh apple and classic bittersweet backbone. I want to ask you, how do you feel when you walk into a pub in the West Country, one of the best producers of cider on earth, and you see behind the bar they've got bottles of Old Moot, or whatever it's called, and Copperberg. What what does that make you feel when you think, you know, probably within two miles of here, you would have your choice of cider producers? It's painful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's the way we are with so many things now. You know, we, we, we trust the big chains and things we understand, and we don't go looking for something a bit different anymore. And I, I don't know why we don't. Because if you if you go in somewhere local and say, what's local to here, then you, you find out wonderful things. I went to a cheesemonger in Home Firth last week and, uh, and I said, what's the most local cheese you have to Home Firth? Because that's the one I'm buying. It's sort of a bit like we were talking about why we don't perhaps shout internationally as much about what we make here as we could. If you walked into, you would never, ever walk into a French restaurant and they they just probably wouldn't have wines from outside of France. And if they did, they certainly wouldn't have like Carva or Prosecco. They would have Champagne. So the idea that you'd walk into a, you know, in inverted commas, traditional English pub and they've got a New Zealand cider, they've got a Swedish cider and they've maybe got Strongbow. But you think, well, what are you doing? It's marketing, isn't it? And it's bulk buying and it's easier for a lot of people. I think independent pubs, you know, free houses generally try a lot harder and they will have one or two boxes of cider somewhere. We'll take a break from scratching our heads over the state of beers and breweries in the UK to scratch our heads over some pretty tricky questions in the Moon Underwater pub quiz. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Thank you, John. Abigail, how, how do you feel about the pub quiz? Are you a fan? I admire people who can remember things so they can win in pub quizzes. <laughs> I always know the answer after you've told me the answer. I'm one of them. But the sports round I'm lost on. Okay. How are you on how are you on pop music? Not brilliant. Okay, okay. Well, let's see how we do. We've only got three questions. I'm not putting you on the spot, by the way. I'm not just asking you these questions. They're for our listeners too. I'm going to ask uh, three questions and then we'll go to a break to give you a chance to ruminate pom those tender hooks and then i'll go through the answers and we can see how well you all did great you ready john yes ready ready abigail i'm ready okay question one where have you gone joe dimaggio our nation turns its lonely eyes to you sang simon and garfunkel on their hit mrs robinson but can you name two other famous pop songs that mention joe dimaggio my friend kate told me that one the other day and it's quite good (laughs) <laughs> oh okay hang on oh yeah give you a little okay. time just to think 
Oh, is it? I'm, okay. <laughs> don't say, don't say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay, I've got an answer, yeah. Question two. What is the longest song ever to reach number one in the US Billboard charts? US. US, yeah, US. And a bonus point if you can name a song which is even longer, which reached the top ten but did not reach number one. So what is the longest song ever to reach number one in the US Billboard charts? Okay. (laughs) Have a stew on that. Question three. Old Town Road, not the Old Road Tavern, but Old Town Road, the 2019 smash by Lil Lil Nas X is one of the shortest songs to reach number one in the UK and the US. But how long was it to the nearest second? I'll give you some leeway either way. So, yeah, any repeats? No, I don't think I've done particularly well there, Robin, I have to say. Really? I think I've done worse and not very well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are no winners in pub quizzes, apart from those who win the pub quiz. That's what I always say. The ones who actually win, and they always win. It's always the same team in the Gloucester Gloucester Old Spot, if you're listening. Give someone else a break. Um, (laughs) Right then, folks, we are about to suspend you on those tenterhooks in what I believe is a kind of liminal space between the parts it's a sort of uh, ripple in the realm between the end of part one and part two because no one knows what happens there and for everyone it's different Uh, you may take some time to charge a glass you may take some time to ponder on the nature of desire or you may just skip straight ahead to episode two Um, wherever you go Do consider helping contribute to the upkeep of the moon underwater. It's brass polishes, it's wood maintenance, and also it's glass cleaner. Because even though this is sort of a mystical realm, we do have a 5 out of 5 hygiene rating. And you can head to moonunderpod.com or patreon.com forward slash moonunderpod to contribute and get very many benefits. But I will say no more, for you are now officially on the tenterhooks And we will see you back as we rejoin Abigail Newton in part two. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 